Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the head and the heart. In John chapter 7, Jesus discusses with his brothers and all of pretty much everyone at a feast and a spectacle, he discusses this issue, this idea of your head and your heart, and how at times in our lives, they don't really seem to connect that well. Who's ever been in a situation where your head is saying one thing and your heart is saying completely the other thing? Anyone relate to that? Probably the most relevant um, for me and the most common is anything to do with Mexican food. My head is telling me, Jake, you probably don't need another taco. Well, my heart says something different. My heart just yearns and longs and just wants to be connected with my ancestors. So I have to have that taco. That's probably not the greatest example, but we can all relate to moments when our head says one thing. Maybe there's this way of living or this way of thinking, this way of doing things that we're very committed to because that's what our parents taught us to do. That's what the culture we live in taught us to do. That's that's what the Bible taught us to do, or that's what the church taught us to do. And those are the things in our head that say, this is how I'm supposed to live. But sometimes the very real experiences we go through and the emotions that we have, and not, not in a bad way, but the very real life we live says, maybe the way that I'm doing things just isn't working. Who's ever felt that way? Doing things the right way just doesn't always seem to work. So what I want to do is address a little bit of that here tonight. So Jesus is about to go up to this feast with his family, and his brothers say to him, why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the works you do? No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. If you're serious about what you're doing, come out into the open and show the world. His brothers were pushing him like this because they didn't believe him either. So Jesus has just started his ministry. It's, this is John chapter 7, so this is early days. He's done a few miracles and he's gathered his disciples, but that's kind of where he's at. And he's hanging out in Galilee with these guys and doing a bit of miracles here and there. And his brothers are like, they haven't seen it, right? Who has siblings who are kind of like... You tell them you did something cool, and you, they're like, yeah, but prove it. Like, can you, anyone relate to that? Who is that sibling that's like, I don't believe you did that thing. I'm going to have to see it, or I'm not going to believe it. You just, that's, that's you. That's what his brothers, are, his brothers are like, and it's very, it's kind of banter. It's probably not, I don't feel like his brothers are being super, um, super evil here, but Jesus responds, and he has a very direct response. He says, don't pressure me. This isn't my time. It's your time. It's always your time. You have nothing to lose. The world has nothing against you, but it is up in arms against me. It's against me because I expose the evil behind its pretensions. You go ahead. Go up to the feast. Don't wait for me. I'm not ready. It's not the right time for me. Interesting phrase. The world is against me because I expose the evil behind its pretensions. The pretension is a way of thinking. It's a way of living. It's a way of doing things. And Jesus is saying, doing things the way you guys are suggesting, while it might be in jest and it might be, you know, not that big of a deal to you, it actually is evil. Because your understanding is, if we do things logically, logically, okay, 
you started a following. People are kind of getting on board. On Instagram, you've got like 600 followers, which is a lot, but we need more. So if you go to this place and do these miracles here, what's going to happen is everyone's going to know about your power, and then the entire nation of Israel will follow you. And what they thought was going to happen is that he was going to rise up the nation of Israel, conquer the Romans, take over the world, set up a dynasty that would last for a thousand years. That's what they thought was going to happen. And Jesus was saying to them, absolutely not. That's not why I'm here. In fact, I don't even think I'm going to go to the feast because that's not why I'm here. That's not what I'm doing here. So his brothers go up to the feast and Jesus, after sitting for a while and waiting, decides that he's actually going to go up first or go up as well with his brothers. And so he goes up with them. And what do you think he does? Do you think he does any miracles? No, not one. You don't get a miracle out of Jesus at this feast because he knows it's not the right time for that. But what could it be the right time for? Maybe it's time to tell everyone why these miracles are even here. What's the point? Why did Jesus actually come to this earth? In John chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says this, I did one miraculous thing a few months ago, and you're still standing around getting all upset, wondering what I'm up to. Moses prescribed circumcision. Originally, it came not from Moses, but from his ancestors. So you circumcise a man dealing with one part of his body, even if it's the Sabbath. You do this in order to preserve one item of the law of Moses. So why are you so upset with me? Because I made a man's whole body well on the Sabbath. Don't be hypercritical. Use your head and heart to discern what is right, to test what is authentically right. Now, who knows that in Hebrew culture, doing anything on the Sabbath was a big no-no. Anyone? Who knows how big of a no-no that was? Like a misdemeanor? Like, are we talking overnight in jail, drunk and disorderly? Is that? No, no, not that. What are we talking? We're talking, you could be stoned, literally killed for doing this. It's a big deal. So Jesus has already broken that law. God came as a human and like first thing he does is turn water into wine at a wedding. And next up, he's healing people on the Sabbath and breaking the law of the Sabbath. Not what they expected. Would you can we agree with that? Probably not what they thought they were going to get from him. And he says, you who think that I'm doing these things, that it's wrong, you're actually being hypercritical and you're not using your head and your heart. You're using one or the other. You feel so upset because you've been taught this way of living, this way of thinking, this way of doing things for so long that anything differently fills you with rage. Who has ever felt that in your life? When someone presents something that's so anti what you've been taught, what you grew up with, Who's ever had that argument with that sibling that just always has the different thing to think through you and they say something you're like, you're, oh, I just got smack you. What are you talking about? That's what these people are experiencing. And the, and the ones who are arguing from their hearts, they're like, this is horrible. How could you think this way? Don't you love our traditions and the things of our past? And the others are like, well, it's just logically wrong. The law says no healing on the Sabbath. In fact, you're not allowed to walk more than five meters on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to even cook food on the Sabbath. You can't pick an apple from a tree and eat it on the Sabbath. How, how could you possibly heal a man on the Sabbath? You see, Jesus was looking at this from a perspective that the law of the head wasn't the only law to live by. He was also saying that law of the heart is important to live by as well because to heal a man on the Sabbath was against the law, the logical analytical law of the head. But to leave a man broken who has never been able to walk 
in his entire life on the Sabbath is against the law of your conscience. How could you possibly do that? Being a loving person, how could you possibly walk by and say, hey, sorry, bad timing, mate. Um, you're not going to be healed. I actually have to leave tomorrow too because I've been you know, waiting around because so, I can't travel on the Sabbath. So I have to leave first thing in the morning. looks like you're not going to be healed. Maybe if you can get somebody you know, to carry you on a stretcher to where I'm going to be, then I can. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And this is what Jesus is addressing in the hearts of the people there. And now some of us might think, I'm so far removed from that. Who feels that way? No, no one. Everyone knows it's a setup. Damo's like, I feel that way. I'm so far removed from that, 100%. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm so far removed from that, but I believe that our world, the world we live in right now is filled with challenges and moments where God is asking us as sons and daughters to really be opportunists when it comes to this stuff. To be like, you know what? I'm going to be so radically loving towards the people around me that there's no way that you connect this. There's no way that you would know that in the ancient past of the religion that I follow, no way that you would even know that for me to do this on a certain day of the week would ever be a bad thing. He's totally disconnecting those things, totally removing them, because that's not the end goal. And in verse 37, we, we see what the end goal is. On the final and climactic day of the feast, Jesus took his stand. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me, just as the scripture says. He said this in regard to the spirit whom those who believed in him were about to receive. The spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus says, look, this might seem confusing. You've been taught this way your entire life. And I know that's scary. You've been told this is how things should be done. But I'm telling you, if you believe in me, everything's going to be okay. Because something is coming that's going to change everything. What's coming is my spirit. And when my spirit falls on you, you'll know. You'll know in your life and in your day-to-day -day moments if you're up against a situation where you need to follow the law of the head where you need to just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Or maybe you need to be a little bit divergent about how you go about your life. Maybe you need to be a little bit more willing to step into an uncomfortable situation and to go to places that maybe a Christian shouldn't be seen or wouldn't be seen in that time. And he was like, what I'm asking you to do is to surrender the judgment of your head and surrender the judgment of your heart to my spirit and to me. So how do we do this? How do we walk any of these things out that Jesus is talking to these people in this time about? There's three things that I want to talk about tonight. The first one is to approach the issues, challenges, and next steps of life slowly. You know, Jesus, when he was talking to his brothers, when they challenged him and they were like, go do these miracles here because you'll gather all these followings, you'll do all these things. Jesus was slow to approach that situation. He was thoughtful he didn't just jump right in thinking, well, I'm God incarnate, so I can do whatever I want whenever I want, and I can just handle this situation perfectly. He actually approached it slowly. He let everybody else go up so that he wasn't being influenced by what they said or what they wanted him to do. Jesus, the Son of God, took his time. He walked slowly. He didn't rush into things, and he waited till the Spirit of God told him what to do. 
And I think sometimes that seems a bit of a foreign concept because it's like, well, it's Jesus, it's his own spirit. But there's, there's an actual gathering of will here to say what I want to do and what is best. I'm going to wait until I've discovered what is best to do in this situation. So the first thing is to approach our lives slowly. Don't rush in. The second thing is commit to having a willingness to be wrong and to having your perspectives challenged. You know, the children of Israel were not ready to be wrong about anything. They were not okay with the way Jesus was doing things. They were not okay with the structures, their way of living, their way of doing things being challenged. All of us were forced to this situation a couple of years ago when they said, no more coming to church, wear a mask, you can only leave your house for this, 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 and this. So we were forced into a situation where we had to completely remove our way of doing things. But Jesus actually doesn't want us to have to be forced to change our way of doing things. In fact, he won't force us to change the way we do things in regards to holiness, in regards to this life as sons and daughters. He actually wants us to do it willingly. And to be people who are like, you know what, when I have these conversations, when I see things happening in life that I don't agree with or I think need to change or I'm ready to just go in guns blazing to fix this problem, what if I'm wrong? If that question were to sit in the back of your mind for everything that you do, and I'm not talking self-doubt, I'm talking an awareness of yourself, an awareness that you're not always right. You're to live your life with that, I could be wrong about this. Then anyone can say anything to you, and you're not going to be offended. Literally anyone can say anything to you, and you'll be like, well, I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but I could be. And then you'll be willing to have a conversation with that person. My best friend back home, his name's Ryan. He was best man at my wedding and really amazing guy. When he was about 21, he went and did Youth with a Mission Discipleship Training School um, a few hours from home, and I saw him go. Now, when he left, he wouldn't mind me saying this, but Ryan is a very um, my way or the highway kind of guy. He's just not really keen for things to be up for debate. He's like, he knows he's right, and that's how he lives his life. And so he, at the time, was in a very serious relationship. And what that equaled was a lot of arguing. And as the best friend and almost always the third wheel, who's, who's been in this situation? Anyone? Almost always the third wheel. <laughs> that got a little uncomfortable. I mean, it was a very real, you know, like they would just argue at any point of the day whenever they wanted to. And they were a no-holds-barred couple, right? They just went for it. So that was them. And they went and they did this discipleship training school, right? And they came back totally different. Like, they, were, they didn't argue that way at all. They would still disagree, but they would talk to each other like normal people, which was rare for them. It was amazing to see the change. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. If you can get Ryan to chill out a little bit, it must be something good. I want to do that. I'm going to go and I'm going to figure that out. Whatever he just experienced, that's what I want to experience. That's actually why I came to Australia to do the school with YWAM was actually because of Ryan and the example that he set and what he learned. I soon found out that it had nothing to do with YWAM and had everything to do with being a person who radically pursues God. And that changes you. Like that absolutely changes you. And it, it helps you to become who you're meant to be. So this is Ryan and this is me. I've, I've gone and I've done years and missions at this point. And this last trip home, I had a conversation with Ryan. And now Ryan and I have been real with each other for a long time, so this conversation might be a little bit uncomfortable for you to hear, but it'll be okay. 
Now, Ryan's been in my hometown this entire time, and I've been traveling the world. So I come back, and this last time he said, you know, Jacob, I don't get called Jacob here, but at home, that's all I get called. It's Jacob. Here it's Jake because we're in Australia. At home, it's Jacob. So he said, Jacob, I feel like every time you leave and you come back, you're a totally different person. He's like, you just, you change what you think about things. You're constantly coming back with new ideas. You're constantly like, I don't even know where you stand on things anymore because you're constantly changing. And I was like, who, who feels good about someone saying that to you? Feels good? You guys like, Will's like, yeah. Will, there's always one who's like, yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. I love it. But most of us aren't as holy as you, Will. And we struggle with that sort of thing. And so I was like, whew, yikes. But it's my brother and I trust him. And so I just sat there for a second and I was like, you know what? I think you might be right. Because I've experienced a lot of hurt in my life because of really strict religious people. My parents were hectic. And so I was like, you know, I think that I am pretty willing to adjust my perspective. Maybe I'm not very slow, like Jesus was, to just take his time and to think about something and to work it through and wait on the Spirit of God to speak. Maybe I'm going a little bit too fast. But on the same token, and I say this with humility, Ryan, I've been, going, I've been gone for nine years and I come back and you're exactly the same. You do everything the same way. You're still struggling with the same things. Where's, where's the change that I saw when I saw you go do these D, this DTS? Where's the radical transformation that I saw in six months? I've been gone for nine years and nothing's changed. And so he sat and he internalized this. Now, for most people, this would spell the end of a relationship, right? This is not normal stuff. But this is what I'm talking about. When we commune with Jesus and with one another, are we people who are willing to be wrong? Are we willing to say, oh man, I'm way too quick to change my ideas and accept something new. And wow, I am so, I just, I'm way too rigid. I'm way too rigid. And I've been seeing a psychologist lately because I'm a little bit crazy and um, need a little bit of help. And she's amazing. And one of the things that she's been talking to me about is what, what is healthy, what does a healthy mind do? How does a healthy mind behave? And a healthy mind, in psychology, they use the word flexible, right? Or elasticity, neuroelasticity. And that means that anything that comes into your mind, any experience that you have, any pain that you suffer, everything is a learning opportunity to a flexible mind. So a flexible mind, someone can say something mean to them, and their internalization of that isn't reactive, it's not aggressive, it's, oh, they think that about me. I wonder why. Maybe I did something wrong. Why do you think that about me? That's a flexible mind. An inflexible mind is like, shut up, get out of here, ah! It's very aggressive, or it's like, oh, it hurts so bad that you just can't take it, and it crushes you for the week. So that's definitely things, something that I've struggled with is being an inflexible mind. It's like, it's like a, a steel pot or something that has no ability to be, to be like challenged too hard because it'll shatter if, if it's in that way. And so that's an inflexible mind. And what Jesus is actually talking about here is becoming people who have a flexible mind, that we're able to be challenged, pushed, and moved by the things in our life, by everything around us, but mostly by the Spirit of God. If we're inflexible, an inflexible mind will not be moved by the Spirit of God. You'll reject it. 
you'll be like, absolutely not. That's a new idea. I'm not going to go talk to that stranger. That is against my code of ethics. I'm not going to do it. It's too scary. Or I'm not going to be adventurous. I'm not going to take those risks because the inflexibility of my mind makes that impossible. So what Jesus is saying here is, guys, become people who are willing to be challenged. Become people who are willing to take in new information, receive what that means and its implications, and not be afraid of it. You see, one of the, one of the key indicators that you're a person who might be walking in fear is that you're opposed to change. If you're opposed to change at every level, there's probably a fear factor there. There's probably something that's like, whoa, there's something broken because I know that change causes pain. And so the invitation is to commit to have willingness to be wrong and have our perspectives challenged. The last thing that I want to talk about is the invitation of the Spirit to be the conduit and the connection between our head and our heart and our lives. So we're talking about our head. Sometimes to process the things that are going in our head, we just have to slow down. That's one of the keys. Just slow down and just be like, you know what? I don't have to make a decision about this right now. I don't have to fix this right now. I can just slow down. And when it's a very emotional thing that we hang on to and it's like it means so much, we just have to commit to a willingness to be wrong. And in the middle of that, we have the Holy Spirit who lets us know which one we're dealing with in a a given moment. Is this just my head? Is this just the way I think things should be done all the time? Or is this an emotive thing that's stuck in me that I need to work through? And we trust his spirit to guide us in that process. Because what happens when we do this, when we slow down, when we just take a break, and we just realize we could be wrong about things, number one, we become really safe people to be around. Anyone can have a conversation with us about anything, and we can reflect Jesus. Because we're, in a sense, right in the moment where the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. When you've slowed down, you've decided, I'm open. I'm open to be changed, to be challenged, from my paradigms to shift. And we know that God is good, and we can trust him. And so we say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do what you've asked me to do. I'm ready to change what you've asked me to change. To finish off, I just want to have a moment of prayer and reflection because I think these sort of things are very like, oh yeah, I know that that's, that's what he said. But it, sometimes it's really helpful to just discuss and have a moment where we walk through these things. So with the person next to you, maybe you're the person who's like, you know what, I just need to slow down. Like that's, that's for me to be able to connect my head and heart to be able to walk in peace, I just need to slow down a little bit. And if that's you, I would encourage you to share that with the person next to you and ask them to pray for you. Take a moment to just be together, do life. You don't need to share some deep, vulnerable reason of why that's where you're at, but just be honest and be open. And if you're the person who just needs to be willing to be wrong, this might be a little bit harder for you than the person who needs to slow down a little bit. Um, but I would encourage you to take a risk and be like, hey, um, person next to me that I know really well or don't know at all, would you pray for me? Because I'm a little bit too closed to being wrong. And I would really love to grow. I would really love to move closer to Jesus. And if you're the person who's like, you know what? I think I am willing to learn. I think I am willing to be challenged. and I'm willing to slow down, but I just need more I need more from the Spirit of God in my life. 
I need to listen to him when he tells me what to do because I'm ready. I'm in that place, but I just want to receive more of who he is, of what he brings and what he has on offer. If that's you tonight, please be bold and turn to the person next to you and ask for them to pray for you. So I'm going to pray for all of us. And by the way, I've been all three of these people this week. I've been the person who just needs to slow down and relax. I've been the person who's like, wow, I was totally wrong about that. I don't like that I'm wrong about that. I need to change the way that I view my life and the world around me. And I've been the person who just needs the power of God to inspire me, to bring life, to show me which way to go, what to do, or who to be in any given moment. So Jesus, thank you that that's what you offer us. That's what your spirit came to do. You came to animate our lives, to connect the information, the knowledge, and the understanding with the heart and the feeling and the passion and the zeal that we're meant to have as people. You came to connect that, to bring us to life, to make us full of goodness, Jesus. That's what we know that you can do. So would you help us? Would you move in us? Would you flow? Would you fill us? God, we need you so much. We love you, Jesus, and we're so grateful for who you are. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.